One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another edition of the Work-Life Balance. So excited to have you guys on this Friday afternoon. Uh, and we're, we're going to forego my normal uh, lead-in because we've got so many people on, on the show this time. It's like we're, we're having a Mardi Gras party right here on Zoom. Uh, but I have the, the almost the whole gang, most of the gang here of Avion Consulting. Uh, and so we're just going to welcome them right in. We'll forgo the bios. You can find those on the website at voiceamerica.com. Search the work-life balance. But I'm going to bring in John Gates, Steve Williams, and Morgan Massey. How are y'all? Good, Rick. How are you? Doing fantastic. And we're here to discuss really an exciting new thing. And you know, a lot <clears> of my <throat> listeners are, are uh, John Maxwell team members like myself. We're all uh, coaches. A lot of coaches, a lot of project managers out there. And so they have just released the book, The Five Coaching Conversations, which is a research-based model for maximizing people's performance and potential. And that's what we're going to be discussing. I mean, this is like brand new, hot off the shelf. I think I got copy number two. I wasn't sure. It's not signed, but <laughs> it's, it's pretty, pretty sure it's there. But um, anyway, I mean, this is, you guys released this when, John? Uh, actually, our formal release on Amazon is tomorrow morning between 9 and 10 a.m. Pacific time. So, so you actually got an advanced copy. Ooh, advanced copy. So it's still not signed. But Saturday, April 4th, then, is the official launch, if you guys are catching this on the podcast. Um, so Saturday, April 4th, it goes official on Amazon. You can get your copy now. But obviously, what we want to do is jump right into and, and find out what is the question that you're trying to answer behind this book. Well, thanks, Rick, and, and thanks for having us on. Uh, the short answer is that our question was, uh, how do effective coaches actually coach? Um, in order to provide a somewhat longer answer, I think we need to talk about really what we mean by coaching. Obviously, for a long time, the term coach really applied mostly in the sports context, so a football coach and so on. And then at one point, I think, uh, you know, we realized, we meaning management consultants and so on, that what managers and leaders and organizations do can be thought of as being kind of coaching, so talking about coaching in the organizational context. And sort of like sports coaches, coaches in an organization are trying to maximize the performance and potential of their people. But the thing is, and again, we have a lot of respect for, for John Maxwell, um, and, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of great stuff out there on leadership and coaching. We started to notice something about the way in which the term coach gets used in organizations these days. And to simplify a little bit, it's generally sort of asking good questions. So not just giving people the answer, but asking good open questions in a structured way to hopefully sort of lead them to a good outcome. And we think that's one great and valid way of coaching. But we also started to notice that in certain contexts, that approach to coaching could actually be a little frustrating for the person being coached uh, and could actually even sort of hurt the coach's credibility a little bit. So we actually wanted to find out, okay, what do actual highly effective coaches do beyond just asking good questions? And that was uh, really the question that led to our research and, and ultimately our book. Well, and you just said, so my, my mentor uh, is Christian Simpson, and, and he, he rocked my world in terms of me being a, um, a very directive leader. And the quote that, that he gave me is, is, Rick, when you give somebody the answer, you rob them of a lifetime of learning. 
right? If they discover the answer within themselves, they're most likely to hold on to it and to, and to grow from that. But you bring up a really interesting point that I want to dive into here because there are a lot of coaching models and there's a lot of different management coaching models and coaching really is exploding. And a lot of people are using the term loosely. Like I see all these people you know, on Facebook claiming to be a coach and you know, I know those people. I know that they, they can't coach themselves out of a paper bag. But the, the <laughs> difference in in it's true, right? The, the difference in your book, though, is it's research based, right? So you're you're saying this is a research based model. So what what was the nature of some of the research that that you guys did? Yeah, uh, thanks for asking. Um, we actually did a few different types of research to be able to uh, validate sort of a theory that we had seen in practice to make sure it was real, and then to dig deeper to find out how it actually uh, was applied and worked. So let me give you a couple of pieces of research that we did. Uh, one was, we have the luxury of having done 360 feedback for most of our professional careers. And with some of our clients, we have time one and time two feedback for them. So we have a baseline before they got coaching, and then we have you know somewhere between 6, 12, 18 months later, a follow-up to see if they've actually made any improvement. Uh, we use the items in that to, to create a, a coaching index. So we looked at outcome. Did they improve? Uh, you know, w- was the person seen as an effective um, leader, more effective leader as a result? And then what were the independent variables that, that sort of drove that in a regression analysis? Um, we got it down to, um, you know, the, the five or six independent variables against the outcome variable. And we created a scale on it. So it was pretty simple. And then we we used the leaders and we measured them on that scale and we took the highest rated leaders from their followers on those uh, independent variable items. That was the uh, sort of the, the quantitative analysis that got us to the leaders that then we could do qualitative research on. We could ask them, you know, what do you think of coaching? When you coach, how do you coach? Uh, what, do you, what do you consider coaching and not coaching? Uh, how do you help your people improve? So basically qualitative research to answer the question of, what are the best leaders, coaches actually doing to get the improvement? Um, and we got really robust data on that. And what we found is they don't just take one approach. They sort of have, not all of them have the same toolkit, but we found a, a composite that adds up to the, the, the five coaching conversations. So that was one uh, thread of research with real live business leaders of people. The second was we found people who were objectively successful coaches uh, we have people in the book who managed baseball teams or ran uh, large companies uh, where they saw their primary job as coaches. Uh, and we found those people who were considered to be really, really good coaches and basically asked them to help us understand what they did and didn't do as coaches and what they found to be effective and, and less effective. So, so we did quantitative, qualitative research uh, and then tried to build the model off of it in terms of what do they actually say that they do and what's their reasoning behind it as well. So that's, we could probably go on a little bit more in detail on it, but that's the, the uh, overview of it. Well, and, and again, just in fairness to the listeners and in fairness to you, there's a tremendous amount of research here that we're boiling down to about 45 minutes of talk, which I, I believe we could talk for a long time. But one of the things that was just sticking out in your answer there, Steve, is you, you were said that, you know, how did they improve? So that was directly attributed to coaching and not other factors of improvement? Well, you know, it, that, that's a very fair question. Um, we can never uh, totally control for other variables that are going on. Uh, we sort of admit that as if we, if we were doing a full research paper that was going to, uh, you know, a, a, a committee to judge it, we would put that in our exceptions, you know, our, 
are, uh, you know, things that we would need to look for to really be able to prove this. Uh, but we do know that these folks went through a time one, time two. Um, we do know that it was the same group of people, by and large, rating them from time one to time two. Uh, and it was a lot of coaching, but it was also usually attached to some training as well, Rick. There was usually some leadership skills training that was concurrent uh, to the coaching. Uh, but there could have been some other factors. But we think we sort of randomized them out when we looked at, you know, uh, I don't forget the number, 100 and some people in that uh, cohort. And, and that's what you really meant then by regression testing too as well, correct? Correct. Okay. Because if, if I look at over, you know, the last 18 months for me, there's been probably 60 factors that I would consider, you know, aspects to my improvement, aspect, different relationships, changes of, of scenery, the, the whole nine yards. I think there's a tremendous there. So I was interested to see how we were narrowing down that coaching aspect uh, to, to be able to pull that algorithm through. Right. So hey, Rick, uh, if I can chime in here, yeah, please, uh, one, John. one thing I'd like to add, and, and I think I can safely give you a few names because they're right in the book. When Steve says that we also, uh, did interviews with sort of objectively successful coaches. Uh, here are some of the people that, that we actually interviewed for our book. So uh, Bruce Bochy, uh, the former manager of the San Francisco Giants, who won three World Series championships with his team. He's a, you know, a demonstrably great coach. He was one of the people that we talked with to find, to find out, you know, what he thinks great coaching actually involves. Uh, Marshall Goldsmith, uh, who many people consider to be one of the you know, preeminent executive coaches in the world. He was one of the people we talked with to find out, Marshall, what do you think great coaching looks like? Uh, a guy named Gary Ridge, who's the uh, CEO of WD40, which is a product I'm sure many listeners are familiar with. So uh, I, we wanted this both to be a, a rigorous study, uh, which is why we used all the statistics that Steve described, but also one where we could say, look, you know, even if that's not the type of research that you're really interested in, here's a group of leaders that anybody would agree are great coaches. And we also included them in uh, our research. Uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And, and we, we know several of those people. So we right. appreciate that. So um, what we're going to do right here, we're going to take a quick break. But what I want to do when we come back is get into what those five coaching conversations are. And so we'll, we'll, get, uh, we'll get to Morgan. Right, Morgan, you're going to answer that question? That's right. All right. We, we want to make sure that we're not excluding Morgan. We'll have Morgan run us through uh, briefly what the five coaching conversations are. And we're going to do that right after the break. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end -end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. 
From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the Work-Life Balance on this Friday afternoon, talking with the group of Avion Consulting. It's Morgan Massey, John Gates, Steve Williams, about their latest book, The Five Coaching Conversations, a research-based model for maximizing people's performance and potential. And right before break, we teased that we were going to introduce what those five coaching conversations are. So I'll let Morgan take that away. Yeah, sure. Thanks. So, yeah, to, to allude to what, what uh, Steve was saying about the research that we conducted, through our research, we found that these great coaches were all using around five approaches to coaching um, that they're being successful in. And these terms, uh, we kind of came up with five terms that we use for these coaching uh, conversations. And essentially, it's explain, explore, encourage, empower, and elevate. We try to make it easy for everyone to remember there. Um, And each of these conversations we found utilizes a specific coaching approach. So I'll give you guys a rundown of what each of them are in kind of a nutshell. And if you have any questions, you know, feel free to stop me. But essentially, explain is all around including specific performance-based feedback, providing the person you're coaching with clear performance expectations, really stepping it out for them, what they need to do and how they need to accomplish it, Uh, taking on that trainer uh, or facilitator mindset to really give them the steps they need to succeed, right? Explore is a little bit different, and it's taking uh, an encouraging cooperative two-way problem-solving dialogue. So those great open-ended questions that we as coaches are very usually skilled at uh, delivering in our coaching conversations. Encourage is all around celebrating the successes that our uh, coaches are achieving and keeping or make sure that we're maintaining their motivation and their confidence overall. Empowering is uh, keeping these folks, they're, they're motivated, they're independent, they're successful. And the key coaching opportunity here is to provide them with a lot of latitude, a lot of autonomy, and help these people really effectively delegate their responsibilities so that they can become more strategic in their roles. And Elevate, you know, these folks, they're accomplished. They've achieved success across the board uh, through multiple avenues, right? And so what we want to do here is help them to explore what's next for them. So new goals, new duties, what's next within their career, what are their career aspirations, and so on. So in a nutshell, those are our five coaching conversations that we kind of dive into our book. Now, do they work independently or are they connected or do you move from one stage to another or back a stage? How do those five conversations work? Yeah, that's a great question, Rick. So essentially our model, we've developed it in in the shape of a wheel. So you think of a wheel on a sports car or a wheel on a coach, you know, the old time coach that was horse-drawn carriage, right? And coaching is a journey. It's a fluid journey. So there's no starting place and stopping place for how you're going to enter into these coaching conversations, which is why it's really critical for our leader coaches out there to pick up on what 
type of context they're coaching in and be able to uh, use their internal judgment to figure out which type of coaching conversation to apply within a given context. So to answer your question, they each stand alone. They're each very specific types of coaching conversations that have specific skills and delivering that conversation, but they work together to create this fluid journey of coaching. So then how would you use, you know, how do I decide which coaching approach I would use in a specific context? Yeah, absolutely. So what we found in our research is that effective coaches have this almost innate ability to size up the context uh, in which they're coaching and adapt their coaching approach um, as appropriate. Um, we found a way that we can uh, teach folks how to uh, kind of carve out this and create this innate ability as well. Um, and one way that we found that coaches have the ability to do this is by tuning into specific coaching cues that present themselves really organically during a coaching conversation. Uh, and in our book, we developed a list of coaching cues that connect specifically to each of the five coaching conversations. And we dive really deep into that into our book. But as an example, uh, if a leader that I'm coaching is someone who's relatively new to a project, to a task, to a situation. That is, perhaps they have little or no existing experience to apply. Then as a coach, I'll pick up on that coaching cue of inexperience, and I know that I'll have to apply that first conversation, explain, with that particular individual. And so I'll make sure that I set and discuss those clear performance expectations, provide them with specific performance feedback, give them that step-by-step -step introduction, take more of that teacher-trainer uh, approach, and provide them with that specific detail they need to understand how to be successful. So the, the issue that I, I see a lot of times when we roll models out like this, first of all, I, I think the models are, are your model's fantastic, and I, and I think it, it's very well documented in the book, but there's people that are looking for that checklist, right? But I think you said it right that most of the successful and real successful coaches have a feel, have an intuition, can can really decide. You really have to be well versed in all five. There's not, you know, step one, step two, step three. Right. Uh, they really need to have their their own intuition and feel it out. Yeah, yeah. Rich, I, maybe I'd, I'd I'd add a little color and maybe one quick story to sort of um, lend some. Uh, detail to this. Uh, first of all, we think that a composite for any one person you're trying to coach, uh, so Morgan's comment about it being fluid, that's absolutely right, but, but it has to do with what they're being asked to do right now that would depend on what whether you use, you know, explain, explore, encourage, etc. And, um, and, and, you know, if you were coaching me, uh, if you were trying to teach me how to, um, you know, present to a board of directors, you might need to be very hands-on and give me an example uh, and, 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 and tell me what's working and not working. But if you ask me to present on the five coaching conversations to somebody, you may just need to give me a little bit of encouragement. I'm the same person, but you might adjust your coaching approach depending on my need uh, to be able to do the job and to be able to uh, get better at it over time. You're sort of learning experience there. Um, the one story that I love to tell, John's heard this story a couple times. Uh, John and I had the opportunity to travel internationally together a bunch, and we were standing on a street in Frankfurt looking at a map, completely dazed and confused. And a woman walked up with a French accent and said, what are you guys trying to do? And we said, well, we're trying to get to this um, place to have a beer and a bratwurst. And she goes, oh, I know what you're talking about. You're never going to find that on your own. You, you, from where you are, I can't tell you how to get there. 
She said, come with me. And it was like two turns. It was really easy to get to, but the street was blocked off. We were supposed to go down, so you had to go around, et cetera. And I said, I don't care how good she was at asking questions. We were never going to be asked questions on how to get from point A to point B. So sometimes what a person needs is, is, is really the way you coach them. So you come to them, not them coming to you and what you prefer to do. But I think personality comes into a, a lot as well. So if I start thinking about encourage versus explain, and we were teasing and talking with each other <clears> in the break about disc profiles, which, which I'm a, a huge studier and proponent of, right? So the high I is more of an encourage type of person. The high C is more of an explain person. Yeah, I'll, I'll chime in on this one. We actually uh, have a whole chapter in the book on sort of the nature and importance of adaptability. Couldn't with you more. There are numerous factors that a coach really should be trying to adapt to. One is the personality of, of the person he or she's coaching. Uh, there are others, you know, how critical is the issue at hand? Um, how much credibility does the coach have? Uh, so, uh, and then of course, you know, uh, what's sort of the competence and confidence and, and commitment of the coachee. So we think that the good coach is just really skilled at sort of assessing the coaching context, including all those factors, and then saying, you know, by and large, this is the approach that's most likely to be effective with this person in this context. Oh, that's fantastic. So right now, obviously, uh, we're going through a crisis, but really unprecedented times for, for me as a business leader and in, in, in what I'm seeing. And so I think it's apropos to start looking at, you know, how do leaders start to apply this model, not only for effective coaching, um, but leadership in times of crisis? Yeah. Um, so, so that's a very provocative question because it's, it's, it's putting a, a, a real exigent um, circumstance on top of what we consider a more consistent application of a model. Uh, having said that, if, if you think about what people who are in turmoil or in times of change, uh, you know, what are their struggles? Their struggles are fear, ambiguity. I've never done this before. Um, am I doing it right? And, and as I reflect on sort of what's going on now, leaders haven't really been through anything like this before. So they need to skill up. Teams haven't really learned how to work remotely as well um, as, as maybe we would like because we're thrown in into the proverbial deep end of the pool. And then people who are actually on teams, individuals, you know, have to learn how to work remotely. And even things like running a Zoom or, um, you know, how do you, how do you um, uh, operate the equipment or how do you participate? So uh, uh, we can either go up or down the five coaching conversations depending on the situation. Uh, I would say by and large, the more ambiguous, uh, the, more, the scarier, uh, and the more new it is, you should go back to explore and explain more than to empower and elevate. So if you're going to change, be a little bit more hands-on during this time. So try to set expectations with people. Tell them what you're thinking. Uh, brainstorm with them, et cetera. At the same time, it's a great chance to stretch some of your people into leadership roles by empowering and elevating them to say, this is your time to step up. Here's a chance to shine. Um, you know, you won't get this chance again. So it really is a chance for you to uh, look for opportunities to exert more, more leadership, more influence. So I can, you can go either way, but being intentional about how you're coaching them uh, to get the best outcome that you're aiming for is, is what I would say. Rick, I, I, can I offer, can I offer an example of what Steve just said? 
Absolutely. So uh, there's a leader I'm working with right now. I'm serving as his executive coach. Um, and he's in an organization that's in one of the coronavirus hotspots. Uh, very intelligent guy, very technically competent. In our model, his comfort zone is probably sort of explaining and exploring, right? Good at explaining expectations and, and that sort of thing. And also good at sort of exploring solutions to different kinds of problems. I think that's kind of the sweet spot. Well, in the midst of this crisis, an organization where, you know, previously everybody was coming into work every morning. Now virtually everybody is working from home. You know, as Steve said, people are scared. There's a lot of ambiguity and so on. And one of the things he's doing to help his, his folks manage during this, this period of, of crisis is uh, weekly all-hands conference calls. So everybody in his organization dials in and, and he gets, you know, he sort of leads this conversation. And he has stretched in the direction. I agree with Steve that in a time like this, you've got to be really clear in terms of explaining how things are going to work and so on. But that's his, that's his sweet spot. What he's really done a nice job of is stretching in the direction of encouragement. So on these weekly calls, he's doing a great job of things like empathizing with people and saying, hey, I know that we've got people on this call um, who have children and you're, you know, both parents work and you're all at home now and they're out of school and this is posing some challenges. And he's empathizing. He's self-disclosing. He's talking about the challenges that he's facing and how he can sort of hopefully relate to challenges that others are facing. Uh, instilling confidence in people, things like that. So this isn't maybe his natural sweet spot, but because he realized, hey, I probably tend to gravitate toward these couple of approaches. This situation really calls for this approach. He's being, being very mindful and deliberate about, about it. And I, I think it, his, his team is really responding well to all of his encouragement. I think that's a, a great example of it. So we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig into one of my words. It's kind of my trigger word. And so uh, we'll do that when we come back after the break. We're listening to the group from Avion Consulting, and this is Rick Morris in the Work-Life Balance. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. 
Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the Work-Life Balance on this Friday afternoon, talking with the gang here from Avion Consulting. We've got John Gates, Steve Williams, and Morgan Massey on the phone with us. And uh, so, so you have five coaching conversations. One of those is Empower. I said I was going to dive in a little bit into my trigger word, and that's a trigger word for me only because uh, I think it's so misused and it's such a buzzword and people throw that term around. Like you need to empower your people, but then there's no coaching on how they empower their people. There's, there's no direction. They think they could just say the word and, and now I've donned everybody. Uh, effective team members, right? It's, it's like, we're going to go agile. Everybody's empowered. Let's go. Um, and, and that's it. That There's no follow-up from there. They just think business is going to run. So why choose that word? Sure. Well, I can take this, uh, at least at first. So what we're, what we're really trying to get at with Empower is that we're doing something about it. So it's not just giving them the latitude and the autonomy and saying, as a coach, I empower you to go forth and be successful. And I'm going to sit back here and I'm going to watch it happen. Now, with each of our coaching conversations in our book, we provide coaches with tools that they can use to actually have these conversations, right? Because um, we want them to be able to achieve the best uh, and maximize the performance of their people. Um, so with Empower, really what we're trying to do here is to uh, enable the coach to have a conversation, um, specifically, a part of it is specifically around how can they delegate things that are on their plates to other folks, um, either on their teams, if they're in a team-oriented capacity, um, or just how else can they create more uh, room in, the, in their daily life so they can be more strategic uh, in the work that they do. So that's not just a completely hands-off approach. Um, and one of the key tools that we use around this is something we call journalistic questions. So there's specific targeted questions that we would use in an empower uh, type coach conversation that would drill down to relate to specific action that that person could take. Uh, so in a nutshell, I don't know if John or Steve want to add on to that, but that's kind of what we're getting at when we talk about empowering someone through coaching. Yeah, that's a, yeah, Rick, when that's a great explanation, Morgan, of, of uh, the way we present empower. But when you use the word trigger, Rick, it, it, it makes me think of what are the misapplications or the the improper use of that term. And I, I've got two in my head uh, that, that we've seen. This is real. One is uh, we've heard people from some of our clients say, I shouldn't have to coach my people. We hire the best. We pay them a lot of money. Uh, I empower them to do their job and I expect them to do good work. And if they can't, that's on them. Well, you nailed it. that's not good coaching. Uh, that's abdication. There's another uh, word that we can use instead of empowerment there. And uh, abdication and empowerment are not synonyms. So you still need to be hands-on. You still need to maybe move up and down the coaching uh, uh, levels a little bit, uh, depending on what they need. The second one, we have to give credit to a guy that used to be a partner in our former company uh, who unfortunately is no longer with us. But he used to always say, if you're going to empower, you have to be willing to expower. Uh, you can't control all the power and tell somebody you're empowering them. So you have to be able to, to give them the freedom and the latitude to do it. And quite often we see people who say they're empowering, but they want you to double check everything with them or, um, you know, want you to do it their way. And if you didn't guess what their way was, you didn't do it right. And so you have to give something up to go along with it as well, which is vulnerable. So empowerment can be uh, very scary. And John, you wanted to chime in? 
Yeah, just basically to elaborate on one thing uh, Morgan said, um, she made a brief reference to journalistic questions. And um, it's kind of consistent with what Steve just said about how empowerment is not abdication. Uh, coaching, I think, necessarily means that you're doing something to positively influence the person you're coaching. So for us, an empower conversation involves sort of answering with the person you're coaching a few questions that are along the lines of those famous journalistic questions when somebody's doing some reporting. So uh, why are you empowering somebody to do something? How might it benefit them? And how might it benefit you as, as a leader or a coach? As Morgan said, sometimes the leaders we work with uh, the challenge that they have is they should be focusing their time on certain things that are maybe a little bit more strategic, but they are just so busy they have a hard time doing that. Well, by delegating and empowering more, it might free up their time to focus on other things they should be focused on. It might also be helpful to the person that you're, you're empowering in the sense that it's a developmental opportunity and so on. So the, the questions, the famous journalistic questions are basically uh, why, what, who, where, and when. And if you have a 10 or 15 minute conversation with somebody where they leave the conversation with clear answers to those questions, why is this being uh, delegated to me? Uh, how are we going to proceed? Uh, uh, that sort of thing. And hopefully everybody is sort of set up for success. It's not just sort of dumping something in somebody's lap and expecting they're going to perform well. Yeah, I was going to say de delegate is, is generally means toss and acquiesce, right? <laughs> Throw it over the wall, back away. That's that's what that what delegation means. It, it rarely comes with the instruction. So I pre I appreciate you guys humoring me a little bit and going into that. Normally, when I hear that word being used by an executive, uh, that that makes my ears perk up. That I need to be on on my toes because that means I don't want to have accountability. I, I'm going to empower you so I don't have to wear the accountability sleeve of when you do something wrong, it's not going to be my fault. And, and so yeah. that's just in my career, I, I perk up when I hear that word, when I hear delegate and I hear empower, it says, okay, we're going to be on P's and Q's here. Let's go. Right. Let's, let's see what this is going to be about. Now um, we've got a lot of listeners that, that are listening to this. What can they actually do with, with the model that you guys have, have presented in the book? Yeah, I'll, I'll take the lead on this one. Um, I think it depends on what type of role, uh, a listener is in. So Rick, at the outset of this conversation, you mentioned that a lot of listeners uh, listening in today uh, are probably in some sort of a project management role. Uh, and I think that if you're a good project manager, that sort of means that you're doing some coaching stuff and doing it effectively. And so I think what they can do with it is uh, to say, hey, I should, I should get a feel for types of coaching conversations that I'm comfortable with, and skilled at, and others where I'm less comfortable or less skilled. Think back to the leader that I mentioned earlier, who probably was both comfortable and skilled when it came to explaining and exploring, not so much with encouraging. So I would encourage your listeners to kind of reflect on their own profile. What types of conversations are they probably more or less comfortable with? Uh, and, and I would say that, um, uh, and, and Morgan may say a bit more about this uh, a little bit later, but we actually uh, have an opportunity we'd like to share which is uh, we've got an online self-assessment. We call it the Coaching Conversations Assessment uh, that anybody listening in today can take. Uh, all they would have to do is go to uh, fivecoachingconversations.com. That's our book's website. And they'll see an opportunity to um, uh, complete an assessment. And that would tell them a little bit about their natural profile. Is it the number five or five spelled out? Five spelled out. Uh, and actually, if they want to do that, uh, to do it for free, 
Um, all they would have to do is when they see a, a field for a promotional code, just enter FCC, as in five coaching conversations, gift, uh, all one word, FCC gift, and they can, you know, complete this online assessment and find out uh, what their natural tendencies probably are as coaches. That's one very practical thing that any listener can do. I think that's fantastic. Thank you for uh, sharing that. Morgan? Yeah, what's awesome about that assessment is that you can really simply see in the, in the report out what your most and least preferred coaching uh, approaches are based off of our model of five. Um, and then you can have that conversation. If you, you and your team decide that you want to take it and kind of compare notes, you can see what the trends are overall on your team. And hey, as a team, are we taking more of, are we leaning towards taking more of one type of approach than another in our coaching for our employees? So it provides some really cool insight into kind of what you're using with the ultimate goal in developing yourself across all the five types of co coaching conversations. But you have to start somewhere. Um, so the coaching conversations uh, assessment there is a great place to start. And I, I assumed you guys went through, you know, the to go to go row model and all the different types of models that are out there right now. Do you overlay those at all with your your conversations? Or is this kind of completely new? Yeah, we do actually sort of overlay those. In fact, we have a, a whole section on the GROW model and, and other popular models out there. Uh, and again, back to the original point that, that I made at the start of this, uh, this show, uh, what most of those models have in common is they really largely involve structured question asking, which in our model is kind of the explore approach. So for us, uh, a lot of those models would fit into that category. What does a good explore conversation look like? We offer our own model of an explore conversation, but it's kind of consistent with a, a lot of the other models out there, like what you're probably referring to. Is that the IC model? Yes, exactly. You want to you go through that really quickly? Morgan, Steve? They're grabbing. So, yeah, uh, Morgan, you can I'll, go. I'll go, I'll go ahead and go through that. So... Uh, I basically means trying to get clarity on what the issue is. So in a given coaching conversation, oftentimes there's some sort of an issue that the coach is trying to help the coachee work through. So get clarity on the issue. Uh, the S stands for situation. So what's basically the situation or the context within which this conversation is happening? Uh, the E stands for exploration. So kind of brainstorming. If, if, if you're coaching me, Rick, you might say once we've clarified the issue and the situation, Okay, let's explore some options, John. What comes to mind for you? What else? That sort of thing. Now, the thing is, you know, you are, as a coach should feel free to offer your own ideas. But a metaphor that we like to use is sort of allowing the other person to empty his or her glass. So the coach should let the other person empty his or her glass, presenting sort of the ideas that they can bring to the conversation. Uh, and then finally, uh, the last E in IC, I-S-E-E, -E, stands for execution. So basically, What's the option or the set of options that we've explored that you think is most likely to, to have a sort of positive impact? And, and what are your next steps in, in, in order to execute that? So that's the model. And that's, that's specifically, though, to the explore coaching conversation? Exactly. Okay. Outstanding. Well, we're going to take our final break right here. We're going to come back with this group and, and lead them through the question that we always ask, which is what is some of the best advice they've ever received? And we're also going to check to see if uh, the answer matches when John was on the show last time. So we'll be right back <laughs> after this break. You'll listen to Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? 
In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the Work-Life Balance this Friday afternoon, hitting our final segment. First uh, question I want to do is, is how do people find you and, and how, again, talk about when the book drops and, and how they can order it. Sure, I can answer that. Uh, so you can find us at www.fivecoachingconversations.com. That's our book's website. Uh, the book's available on Amazon. Our official book release is tomorrow. Uh, so you can go on Amazon and, and type in Five Coaching Conversations and it'll pop up. Um, and if you want to reach us as a team at Avion Consulting, uh, it's uh, avionconsulting.com, A-V-I-O-N consulting.com. And so since you're on the hot seat, Morgan, we're going to go right to you first. So what's some of the best advice you've ever received? I knew you were going to ask this, so I had to put some thought into it, right? And I think the best piece of advice I've received is really a combination of advice that my parents have given me over the years, uh, which kind of boils down to the same message. And so I'll try to make it short and sweet. You know, my my dad's a retired federal judge. My mom was a home health social worker, also retired. And I remember sitting in my dad's courtroom when I was small and drawing on the floor and filling up water glasses during his hearings. And when it was time for me to go to college, I felt a little bit of self-induced pressure to follow in their footsteps. And I had to eventually break it to my dad that, um, that I wasn't going to go into law, essentially. And I was really afraid of that conversation. And his response was something that I'll never forget. And he said something to the effect of, you know, even if you took the same path as your good old dad, you wouldn't achieve the same success. Why is that? Because you were born with your own set of skills, your own set of strengths, and you have to carve out your own path and not travel in someone else's. And my mom's advice over the years to stay true to myself um, instead of molding myself into someone else based off someone else's standards, et cetera, solidified that in my mind. Um, And I love how I can weave in these lessons in the work that I do now to encourage the clients I work with to discover their own strengths, to help them turn their strengths into spikes and carve out their own path to success. Wow. So Steve, we'll go to you. Uh, Thanks, Rick, for letting me follow that. That, That's going to be the (laughs) right one. 
You, you know, I, I, I've been pondering this since you uh, said you were going to do this uh, coming into the break. Um, one bit of advice that stuck with me that, that has never served me wrong, and it's, it's, it's very easy to follow, is if you have to try and do something that's going to have a, a risk or an error attached to it, make it an error of commission, not an error of omission. Um, all of the things being equal, uh, get in trouble for doing something you shouldn't have rather than not doing something you should have. Uh, so making errors of commission versus omission is probably the piece of advice that sticks with me the clearest. And John? Well, Rick, of course, I've been on your show twice before, so I've answered this question twice now. Uh, therefore, I, I'm not going to answer this time, but I'm going to do something a little different if I may. Uh, you know what I'm about to say because you've read our book. Your listeners haven't read the book yet. Uh, so I want to let them know that uh, Rick Morris is actually in our book. And here's what we say. Um, I found it very intriguing the first time I was on your show that you would wrap up the show by asking what's some of the best advice you've ever gotten. Because some of the, the other models and books out there on coaching suggest that, you know what, good coaching really doesn't involve uh, giving advice. Uh, and, I, you know, part of the reason we wrote this book was I think back to actual coaches I've had. I played a lot of baseball growing up. Baseball coaches give advice. If they see something that's wrong with your swing, they'll say, let me give you some advice in terms of, you know, how to make better contact or whatever. And why wouldn't coaches in the organizational context or project managers who are trying to coach people on their project teams, why wouldn't they be, be willing to do that? And so uh, I guess the point I would like to make is that I think maybe, uh, you know, because of this sense that we're too inclined to want to give advice, and good coaching is all about asking good questions. I think because of that notion, the pendulum may have swung too far in the other direction, where now we're so reluctant to ever give advice for fear that it's not going to be good coaching, that we refrain from doing it, even when that's exactly what the coachee needs. So I think your question itself, best advice you've ever gotten is a good question. And my advice to people, I guess, would be, you know, realize that giving advice just exploring solutions and so on is a perfectly valid form of coaching. It just needs to be used in the proper context. So I'm, I'm going to drop one of my favorites uh, on you guys, because I think it's apropos for, for the three of y'all. Um, uh, when I met with John, you know, Maxwell, one of, one of the things he said to me that, that had my largest impact was you certainly can be successful by yourself. He said, Rick, you'll, you'll do great by yourself, but you'll never be significant without a team. And once you taste significance, success will never satisfy. Mm. And that is how I've, I've lived my life ever since. And I, I really applaud the three of y'all. You're a great team. It shows on being able to do an interview like this where, where it's somewhat unstructured and you never know where I'm going to go and all three of you are there. So um, my hat's off to you on the book. Congratulations. And, and I'm so thankful. Uh, I, I want to give a, we have just a couple of minutes left. I want to give each of you an, an opportunity to, to just say anything else you want to say or anything I left unsaid. Uh, just uh, some final words for the audience. I just want to say thank you, Rick, for having us on the show. It's, it's been fun to chat back and forth and um, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'll, I'll go next. Um, I think uh, one other thing that people should consider if they want to be really good coaches is, how to diagnose what the person they're coaching most needs. And we have some sections in the book that get at that that we didn't have time to get to today. So if you really want to be a good coach, have the tools to coach, but then also learn how to assess what people need uh, from your coaching to have the most impact. So those two together will, will make you the most effective coach possible. Outstanding. 
And I guess my final thought is this, when I think back to the interviews that we did and some of the just profound insights into coaching that the great coaches we were talking with shared, I think one of the most memorable interviews for me was with a gentleman that we mentioned earlier, uh, Gary Ridge, the CEO of WD40. And at the outset of that conversation, uh, I asked the question, so Gary, to what extent do you see yourself as a coach? And he paused for a second, and his response was, that's all I do. And I think there might be a little bit of hyperbole there. I mean, he's a CEO, so he's responsible for casting vision and execution and change leadership and, and lots of other things like that. But I think the fact that that was his visceral response, that's all I do, says a lot about sort of the importance of coaching. And I think his point was, what if we as leaders envision our job, first and foremost, as being that of coach? And if by being great at coaching others on a project team or direct reports or throughout an organization or whatever, if by being great at that, it allows us to be effective at virtually every other leadership role that we've got, uh, wouldn't that be a great thing? So my encouragement to all your listeners is think of yourselves as coaches uh, and then be asking yourself the question, uh, you know, in what areas am I probably quite comfortable and skilled when it comes to coaching others? And in what other areas might I have a little bit of work to do? And, uh, you know, there are resources available to, uh, to help. Outstanding. Well, again, thank you guys so much for coming on and, and sharing your wisdom with us. Uh, we, we appreciate you having you. John, just as a, a fair warning, we do have somewhat like a Saturday Night Live tradition here. So once you're on my show five times, you get into the Five Timers Club. And there's special, you know, options. So we'd love to have you back and, and love to have you talk to the audience again. Great. Thanks. Awesome. So does he, get, does he get a blazer? Yeah, we'll, we'll get him a blazer, but it's it's a little mini one. He can just wear it around his thumb. So uh, <laughs> we don't have a lot of money here. I mean, you know, we, we, we're, we're scraping together. Uh, but anyway, thank you guys so much for being with us. Uh, thank you for joining the show next week. Uh, we're going to have Scott Aaron on the show. Uh, he's an internationally acclaimed award-winning online marketer, best-selling author, top podcaster, and international speaker and uh, is really kind of a go-to specialist when it talks about creating residual income using leak. LinkedIn uh, leads generation. So uh, we're, we're really looking forward to having him on next week. So we will join you next Friday with Scott. And until then, we hope you live your own work-life balance. We'll talk to you next Friday. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.